Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. We want to receive communion today, and normally we do it at the end of the service, which you know, uh, and we change it to the beginning of the service for right now. We're, we're just, as you know, trying to just a new order and see what God does with it, and, and if not, we'll go back to what we were doing. Those who are serving communion, would you come up, please? We want you to come up and get your elements from the right and come out of your right and go back to the left. Each session you have someone standing in front of each section. And when you once you get the elements, then I want you to sit back down just like you are now because we're going to receive the elements while you're seated. So could you... Stand and get your elements and come back and sit, please. You're doing right, Nikki. <laughs> Thank you. I know. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 23. We're going to talk about the origin, first of all, of communion. The origin. In verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord. Then when he said, I received, so we're talking about the Apostle Paul. He, he received from the Lord by revelation. He received from the Lord that which I also 
delivered to you. So we know the origin of the Lord's Supper is, or the Eucharist, or what, with different names. It originated with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we are, we are aware of, is that Jesus gave us a pattern that he wanted us to follow. And so this is the pattern that we are doing this morning. He said, which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So we have the origin. Now let's talk about the purpose, the purpose of communion. The first purpose I want to talk about is remembrance. Remembrance. He says that, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we know that now that we know the origin and we know one purpose is for remembrance. And this remembrance, if you look it up in the Greek, this, this remembrance is also a memorial. This re- re- memorial to the Lord. And if we go to another place, it says in Galatians 1, 3, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So the body was given for us. It was given for us. And the King James would say it was broken for us. But actually the body was not broken. Jesus' body was not broken. He did not break, it says in Psalm, not one of his limbs would be broken. So the King James is not really a good translation of our body, the body was for us. It was not broken for us. The body was given for us. And so it's a memorial to what God has done. We are saved. Jesus took our, took our place in death on the cross. And because of his death, we have life. And that's what we are celebrating when we celebrate the body. What we were remembering is that this body was given, and without this body being given for us, we would not have salvation. So we want to take the wafer, and we want to partake. Let's give thanks to God for the body. Father, we thank you for the body that was given for us, Lord. We thank you that not one limb was broken from our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that the, the Lamb of God took away our sins. And we don't have to die for our sins. We have life, an eternal life, 
because of your body. Let's pretend. In the same way, he took the cup, and after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance or as a memorial to me. There another place where I go to Hebrews. In Hebrews 9.22, it will tell us that and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansings of sin, then how much more the blood of Jesus? Oh, the blood of Jesus. When he says, this is the blood of my of the new covenant. The new covenant is in his blood. There is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. No remission of sin. There had to be some shedding of blood. And it's not the, the blood of goats and things or, or, or that you take, take it into the earthly places like they did in the Old Testament. This is into the heavenly places. Jesus took his blood. So we want to partake of the blood of the new covenant that was ratified by the blood. Let's partake. Father, thank you for the blood. The wonderful, wonderful blood of the Lamb of God. This is an awesome season that we are receiving communion. Because it's resurrection. It's for the Jewish Passover we're celebrating this particular month. It's the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood that was ratified through the covenant for us, Lord. So we thank you. Amen. Come on.
So I want um, that song they sung, Praise and Worship, I'm going to attempt to sing part of that. (laughs) I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's sing it again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Thank you, Jesus. I am a child of God. Sing that this week. Keep on singing. I'm no longer a slave. When you're at work, remember that. I am a child of God. When you're in school and got a test, I'm no longer a slave to fear. When there's difficult situations coming in your life, I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We thank you, Lord. We just bless your name, Lord Jesus. You're awesome in this place. We thank you and welcome your Holy Spirit. We honor and adore you. We are no longer slaves to fear, Lord God, but we are children of God. We are children of the Most High, and we are partakers of Christ, Lord Jesus. And when he, he, he has overcome, and so have we. And so we thank you, Lord, for overcoming in our lives. We don't have to fear any circumstance, any situation that beset us this week and every week forward, Lord God. We must remember that we're no longer slaves of fear, but we belong to you. And you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So we thank you for this word. We thank you for all that you're going to do today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are we going to jump right into it? Um, I didn't realize we had communion. Communion. I was, of course, not here last week because I had to work. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so the Lord has a word for you guys, and I want to be obedient and give it to you. Uh, the way he gave it to me. No, I'm not going to do that. But, <laughs> uh, but I do want to be obedient in that and and just honor the Lord for what he's doing here at Cornerstone and um, just thank him. So the title of the message today is Consider the Leftovers. Um, we're going to be looking at Mark 6 and we're going to talk about... And, um, when Jesus feeds the 5,000 men um, plus the women and children. And it's a very common uh, Bible story. Everyone has heard of it, I'm sure, uh, several times throughout their life. And if not, this is great. This would be new for you. Um, but I doubt that. You've heard it before. Uh, it's in Mark 6. It's also in Matthew 14, Luke 9, and John 6. You'll find the same story. It is one, I think it is the only story besides the resurrection story. Uh, that is found in all four Gospels. Uh, uh, so it's important because they repeated it several times. And so we're going to jump, we're going to be in Mark 6 most of the time, but I will glean from 
Matthew, Luke, and John as well. I think Mark's, uh, how he tells the story, I like it a little bit better than Matthew, Luke, and John. Uh, and so we're going to stay in Mark. Uh, but I, I want to go through, I think there's seven things that we're going to hit on that I gleaned from the story. And, um, and we're going to be in Mark 6. I think we're going to start at 30. If you just want to, and I'm not going to read it all because um, I don't want to keep you here and read the whole story, but we're going to start in 30, 32, and go through 51. And so I'm going to try to go in order uh, so that you will be able to follow me. And I'm going to, like I said, jump around between Mark and Luke. Just pick up uh, Matthew and John. Pick up the way different words that they use to describe what went on. Um, and, and it's interesting because, you know, if something happened and we were all witnesses of that, you, you were, I don't know, maybe there are 100 people here, uh, 60 people here, uh, that you would probably get 60 different descriptions of what went, what happened. And so we have four different uh, 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 descriptions of what went happen, what happened. So Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. It says, some commentary says it could have been up to fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed from two fish and five loaves of bread. That doesn't, I mean, is that, let's stop, let's stop right there. Just kind of take that in right for a minute. He feeds about fifteen to 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And um, so just going to go through what can we learn from this passage of scripture. Um, one, so we're going to look, I'm going to not, I'm going to jump in because i got uh, quite a few things I want to cover. Um, but in Mark 6, if you go down to, uh, let's see, 33, it says, But the multitude saw them departing, and this is talking about the crowds that were with uh, Jesus, saw Jesus departing, and many knew him when they saw him leaving, and they ran on foot uh, from all the cities, and they arrived before them, before they came to the spot that they were going to because they were that hungry for the word. So one thing I, I learned, I gleaned from just reading this, is that the people showed that they were thirsty for the word of God. They were willing to run to, uh, it wasn't convenient, I'm sure. I don't. It doesn't say how many miles they had to run to meet Jesus, but they were willing to meet Jesus, uh, forsaking eating, in some descriptions, or forsaking what they were doing to go hear Jesus. How many of us are willing to do that, to do what it takes to hear the word, uh, to see Jesus, to meet him, to come to church, to come to Bible study, small groups, to just your quiet time? Are you willing to run there to meet him? Are you willing to sacrifice your own things that you have going on to meet him? And so these people were willing to do that because I'm sure they could have said, well, I got to work or I got things going on. I got school. I got a test I need to study for. No, they were willing to give that up and run and meet him. So one of the priorities is the word was a priority to them, and they were thirsty for that word. Thirsty can take a different connotation currently, but uh, we're not talking about that kind of thirsty. But they were thirsty for the word. Uh, So that's number one. They were thirsty for the word. Uh, the second thing I gleaned from this story is that Jesus is concerned not only about our spiritual needs, but our physical needs as well. Because he could have preached, as he did when he saw that multitude of people, and said, we're good to go. 
And just as some of the disciples said, send them away so they can go buy food because it's getting late and we're in this secluded place. Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. And so that lets me know that Jesus is not not only concerned about my spiritual development, but he's also concerned about me physically. He, he knows what you have need of before you ask of that need. And he's willing and wanting to meet that need. And so Jesus in this particular instance says, you know what, I know these people are hungry and we are going to meet that need. And so the disciples, if you look at John 6, uh, it kind of gives a different, different description of how he asked because it says that Philip, he asked Philip, uh, he said to Philip, he said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Uh, but this he said to test him because he knew what he was going to do. So Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he wanted to test Philip to see what Philip said. And Philip says it would it would require 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient enough to feed these people. Uh, and that would mean that only everyone would just get a small portion. He said, we don't have enough money. It would require 200 denarii just to feed the 5,000 men plus women and children, 15 to 20,000 people. We don't have that kind of money. And if we did, we probably could only afford enough just to give everyone a small portion. And that didn't concern Jesus. And just just also the physical, the spirit, not, I'm sorry, Jesus is not concerned about necessarily the spiritual but the physical as well, Jesus knows what you have. He knows what you have financially, and he knows what he can do with that financially. And so it wasn't a surprise to Philip, it wasn't a surprise to Jesus that Philip answered that way, but Jesus knew what he was going to do in the beginning. He wasn't concerned about what your financial state was. He was concerned about what he was going to do with that. So your what you have, whether it be small or big, doesn't concern God because he knows what he's wanting to do and how he's wanting to use you. And so he's going to meet that need. If he requires that of you, he's going to make sure you have that so that you can do what he calls you to do, whether it be spiritual or physical. Secondly, Jesus can use whatever you have to bless you and others. So the only thing they had at their disposal at that time was two fish and five loaves of bread. And I often debate about, I said, you have 5,000 men and women and children. Someone was holding back on a lunch somewhere, I have to believe, because this little boy probably wasn't the only one that had a lunch. That's just me, my interpretation. It doesn't say that in the word. Uh, (laughs) But I think somebody was holding back on Jesus. But nevertheless, Jesus used what they had at his disposal, which was the two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus can use your small amount to do great things. So don't never discount or discredit your gift or what you can offer and say that it's insignificant, it's too small, um, it's not enough, it's not as big as someone else's, they do better, they speak better. That's, That's not it. God can use your small gift to bless not only you, but to bless all those around you. Not just a few around you, but a multitude of people around you. So you can use whatever you have to bless others. Jesus may come through others to bless you. So in this story, it talks about, let me go to, uh, let's see, where are we? Uh, Let's see, shall we go? 
Sorry, I'm trying to get to where I want to go here. All right, so yeah, so Jesus, he says in 38, he says, but he said to them, how many loaves do we have? Go and see. And when they found out, they have five and two fish, five loaves of bread and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass so that they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifty. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he took them up, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. So Jesus wasn't himself serving all 15 to 20,000. He gave it to the disciples, and then the disciples served the people. Sometimes your blessing doesn't come by way of Jesus himself. Sometimes he gives that to someone else to give to give to you, just like he gave to the disciples. Sometimes we can get caught up on how our blessing comes to us. And if it doesn't come the right way through the right person, we may not recognize it or even receive it because it didn't look like Jesus. Or it didn't look like the pastor. Well, the pastor didn't give this word to me. So-and-so gave this word to me. So I'm not going to receive it. But that may be Jesus using someone else to bless you, to give you what you need. Um, So don't get hung up on, well, it didn't look the way I thought it was going to look, or it didn't come through the vessel I wanted it to come through. It came through his disciples. Because Jesus could have served everyone himself. If he wanted to, he could have made manna come down from heaven and that would have been it. But he chose not to do that. He chose to break the bread and give it to the disciples. And then the disciples gave it to the people. So don't get hung up on how your blessing comes. Just know that your blessing is coming and be willing and open to receive that blessing. Sometimes we can be blessed by people we don't even know that are evil. Evil people can bless you. People you don't want to bless you can bless you at times. Coworkers you didn't think could give you a word, and they may not be saved or, or, or know Jesus, but they can speak something into your life that's like, wow, that's, that's wisdom. I, I was at work early on when I started my job. This guy, I didn't know him well, but he came to me. Uh, he said, he, he, he kind of recognized, I guess, how you carry yourself, people recognize that you're, you're saved. He said, oh, you're, you're a brother in Christ. I said, yeah. I was like shocked. We were in the locker room. I said, yeah, at work. And uh, he said, know that this job isn't just for you. It's for other people. And I said, so and he said, you're not, you're not here just to make money, but you're here to bless the people who are here. And I was like, wow. And I didn't know him. I was probably a month into the job. And he didn't, I didn't know his name. I didn't know him well. But he just kind of spoke that. And I know that was a message from the Lord because I came there for one purpose and God knew I went there for one purpose. And that was his way of challenging that purpose that I thought I went there for. And I could have been dismissive of this man who I didn't know and didn't recognize and didn't know his name. Now I know who, who he is. But uh, and I often think back on that. I said, you know, I'm not here just for this purpose. God has me here for other reasons. So God can speak to you through people, through strangers. You don't know. Be open and willing to receive that blessing in your life. Uh, so just looking, thinking about this story. So let me go to, let's see here. So he broke up the bread. Uh, let's go to 43. And he said, after they had blessed and gave, divided their fish and loaves up among the men, of men and children and women, 
He says, so they ate, and all ate and were filled. It's like, man. So they just didn't eat enough. They just didn't get a little bit. They ate and were full. And the true blessing is not that he used the five to two fish and five loaves. Is that I think in 43 where it says he took 12 baskets full of fragments of the leftovers. You mean to tell me <laughs> that we start out with two fish and five loaves and we end with 12 baskets full of leftovers? Is that not amazing that our God is not just enough? He's just not El Shaddai. Or he's just not Jehovah Jireh, provider El Shaddai. He, he is El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He could have just died. He could not have had any leftover. He could have, because God knows. I think God is capable and very willing to say, I know exactly how many people are here, and I can provide enough just for that amount of people with no leftovers. Because he's done it before. But he said, I'm showing these people that I'm just not enough. I am more than enough. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. I'm preaching to somebody I know. <laughs> I can do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you could ask or think. And so you think that your two fish and five loaves and you brought that to him and that was going to be enough. And God said, I'll take that and multiply that, feed you, feed everyone around you to your full, and we'll have 12 baskets full leftover. Is that not amazing? I'll take whatever you have in your bank account. You bring it to me. I'll bless you. Put more than what you need inside in the bank account and also be able to give to other people around you. Can God not do that? Can God not do that? <laughs> I need to know that sometimes, that he is more than enough. He just not wants to meet my need. He wants to go above meeting my need. He wants to meet my need, my family's need, my extended family's need, my church family's need, my community's need, that you're full from whatever little bit I started with, that you can be fooled from that and have leftover. That's a blessing to me. <laughs> he is our El Shaddai. He is more than enough. So we look at this and we say, gosh, this is a great time. God performed an awesome miracle for the people of God and his disciples. He showed them a wonderful time. It's just like we had, they had a high time in church. People got healed. Uh, people got saved. People got delivered. And then the disciples departed, and in 47, it says, Now when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and, he, and Jesus stayed back, and he went up to the mountain to pray. It says, And then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. So this lets me know that Life happens regardless of where you, what may have just happened in your life. This was just a few hours before that they had a high time in Jesus. 
Jesus was performing miracles. He broke bread and fed the 5,000 plus the women and children. And then immediately after, when they went on the boat, they were met with trouble. It's normal. If you live long enough, life will happen. If you haven't went, went through a rough patch in your life, you haven't lived long enough. Life will happen. And it's not that you did anything wrong, that there was any sin in your life, or that someone did something, or there was evil spoke against you. Life happens. And as soon as they left church, let's say that, they were met with issues, life, circumstances began to beat up against them. Does that happen? As soon as you leave church. Sometimes they ain't left the parking lot and my children get on my nerves. Somebody says something like, what? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Help me out here. But it happens. It, or is it just me? I think it might be just me. <laughs> Somebody say something slick or, you know, traffic. Somebody cut you off. Or you look, watch your bank account and say, ah, <laughs> That was a good word, but it ain't hit here yet. <laughs> but I'm proclaiming it. <laughs> or I'm believing it for my children or my children's children. Or something, things happen, life happens, and we cannot be distracted. We cannot say, let's discredit the feeding of the 5,000 because I was met with wind on the sea. And so now I only see the wind at the sea and forget the feeding of the 5,000. We can partake of God's miracles. We can partake of the word. That doesn't mean trouble or rough seas won't come our way. And so why did Jesus have them take those leftovers? Because if you read further, several chapters, it never says, what they did with the leftovers. It never said that they, they used those leftovers to eat later or, no, it just said take the leftovers. And so if you look further, it doesn't mention the leftovers. Uh, so the wind was coming. They never called for Jesus. Jesus is when Jesus walks on the water. And uh, this is also when he calls Peter out on the water. And that story is in, uh, I think, Matthew. It doesn't describe that in Mark uh, specifically. But if we get down, it says 51, it says, Then he went up into the boat to them, and then the wind ceased. So as soon as he went in the boat, he didn't speak to the wind. He didn't say anything about the wind. He just showed up, went to the boat, and the wind ceased. And, and then it says, And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. And 52 says, For they had not understood about the loaves. Because their heart was hardened. How quickly can we forget that God has blessed us when we've met with the rough and stormy sea? And this was just hours before. This wasn't like weeks or years. How quickly do we forget that God has brought you out of so many things? He's done miraculous things in your life. He's healed you. He's delivered you. He's blessed your children. He's blessed you. He's done so much in your life. And then as soon as a wind comes and we have to struggle a little bit, we forget. 
about the great thing that God just did. And we are so focused on the rough seas that we're in right now. And if they had just looked in the boat and said, hey, wait a minute, we have these leftovers. Let us remember. And I think I, 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 it doesn't say, but I want to believe that Jesus wanted those leftovers there so that they would remember. Because he knew that they would be met with rough seas. And he wanted them to remember what just happened. Because when you're in the storm or when the seas get a little rough, Sometimes we have the tendency to focus just on that and forget what just happened. So those leftovers were there was for them to remember what he had just done. And so that if you remember that and you say, God, God is more than enough. He blessed us. He's not concerned just about my spiritual needs. He's concerned about my physical need as well. Then when this storm come, I would have approached it like, hey, Jesus got this. I'm not worried about this storm. He just fed 5,000 men plus women and children with two fish and five loaves of bread. This wind ain't got nothing on him. I'm not worried about this storm. I don't have to, I don't have to uh, struggle and toil in this sea because I know Jesus has my back. And even though he wasn't there in the boat, no one thought to call on him to say, hey, Jesus, we need you. We want you here. We don't have to struggle and toil in this sea. We don't have to be afraid in this ocean. Because we know that you can handle this. It reminds me of the hymn. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. That blesses me right there. <laughs> Look it up. It's a hymn. I don't know if you, you new school people listen to hymns. I listen to them often. They bless my soul. Uh, but that says a lot. I do not have to forfeit my peace and bear pain needlessly when I can go to the Almighty in prayer. And he can do all that I need him to do. And he can meet, not just meet my need, but go above and beyond what I need. And not just bless me, but bless everyone around me. So when it talks about then in 52, it talks about because they did not understand the lows and their hearts were hardened. I just want to quickly go over some things and make sure that our hearts are not hard hardened that we miss the blessing and then forget the blessing when trouble comes so it says they didn't understand the miracle it was like man how how can you not understand what he just did but okay um but maybe there was several things that can cause bitterness i'm not going through all the things that could cause uh your heart to be hardened not bitterness but bitterness is one of the things that can cause your heart to be hardened um Maybe disappointments in life. Maybe you had several storms come back to back and you haven't had that feeding yet. Maybe you had a couple of tests that you got seized on. And you're like, man, it's getting rough. <laughs> it's going to be a rough semester. Uh, but life happens and sometimes we get angry, we get bitter, we get upset, frustrations. 
can cause our heart to be hardened because we're not in the word, we're not praying, we're not doing the things that we should be doing, but then just things happen that causes our heart to be hardened. The same, I, I think, uh, I see hardened hearts as um, like an onion when you peel back. There are layers to this thing. And that's the same reason why you can be in a worship service and the person next to you, to you can be going up, meeting Jesus face to face, crying, and then the person beside you cannot be doing anything. And not to say that their, their heart's not open, or they could be sitting, or, or they could be angry at that time. Uh, but sometimes hardened hearts could cause us to miss out on entering in to what Jesus has for us or experiencing the fullness of God because we haven't peeled back those layers of our heart. We don't have a heart of flesh, but we're carrying a heart of stone because of past or whatever the case may be. Uh, Hebrews 3, 7 through 19, we're going to read all that. Uh, but it says a little bit today, if you, uh, this is the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial of the wilderness. And it goes through some things. Um, and I got seven things just quickly uh, that we can do to make sure that we don't harden our hearts is to guard your heart. And in Hebrews 3:17, it talks about, let's see, it says, uh, let's see, encourage one another every day. And it says that in 13, Hebrews 3:13, it says, but exhort one another daily, because this is the ways that you make sure your heart isn't hardened. And that requires you to do something for other people uh, to make sure their heart isn't hardened. So not, not to be critical or judgmental, judgmental, but to encourage each other daily. A repentance don't be, don't be misguided by sin or its deceitfulness. And it says that in 14, no, it says 13. This is the latter part of 13. Today, at least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And sometimes sin can deceive us to think and lead us astray. And we think that we're that sin is truth when it has been deceitful and it is not truth. Uh, become partakers of Christ. And it says that in verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ. And it also says, hold fast to what is truth, but the assurance, hold fast to uh, assurance. So hold, holding fast to what is truth. So I have God guard your heart, encourage one another daily to repentance Become partakers of Christ. Hold fast to what is truth. Rest in God's peace. If you go to Philippians 4, 4 through 7, it talks about the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding. We guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So if we want God's peace, if we have God's peace, it will guard our hearts. And then it also says in Romans 5, 3, through five, it says rejoice in suffering. And so rejoicing, giving, being thankful, having a thankful heart would guard your heart against being hearted. And that is important because we don't want God to perform miracles in our life and we miss it. God is doing something great, miraculous in our life and we miss it. And then when the storm comes, 
we're more focused on the storm and forget about the leftovers in the boat. We never considered that God has blessed us and all the blessings I have, but we're so focused on that storm. Consider the leftovers. Consider what is left over in your life. Consider what you have to work with that God has given you, the gift that he's given you, that lunch, that two fish and five loaves that he's given you. Consider that and what God, if you give it to him, how he can multiply that and bless you and others. But more importantly, that when the next storm comes, or situation or circumstance hits you, don't forget that God has blessed you. In the same way that he saw you out of that situation, he can see you out of this one. I'm no longer a slave to fear. We are children of God. Don't let fear discourage you. Don't let your circumstances get you discouraged or down. We are believing God for more than enough for our church, for our for ourselves individually, for our community. He is not just going to meet your need. He's going to go above and beyond meeting that need. And it's not what you see. We walk by faith and not by sight. It may not look like it. You may not even feel like it. But we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.